and minimalists. <laughs> Live from the forum, my name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the minimalists live in Melbourne. Y'all are crazy. <laughs> and we love you for it. This is, has, has been quite the whirlwind year, accidentally. We, we embarked on this 50-city tour called the Less Is Now Tour, and we saved the best for last. We're here on city number 50 tonight. And here's how I know you're the best, is this theater sold out like months in advance, and so we had to add a second night, so on Tuesday, um, we're, we're doing a, a second show as well, so thank you so much. I remember during our, uh, we did a 100-city tour four years ago in 2014, 119 events, and the last country we came to was, was Australia, and our biggest event of the entire tour that year was here in Melbourne. And now we get to repeat that by having two nights here this time. Thank you for making it special. But the reason we're here tonight is because we're here for you. And so there's a microphone right there. I think we, we're going to start lining up. Jessica Lynn Williams is back there in the back. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Lynn Williams. She... She makes all of our social media look real pretty, and, and so um, she's going to help people get to this microphone. We'll do it one at a time. So we can get one person to come up to this mic, and then the rest of you, whoever else has questions, we'll try to get to as many as we can. I know that we'll get to at least five or six, but who knows? But sometimes we get a bit windy. We had a five-hour, five-and-a-half-hour event in Atlanta once. I promise not to do that to you because some of you have babysitters tonight. Howdy. What's your name? Hi. My name's Kate. Hey, Kate. Hi. Um, I did travel to LA last year, actually, to see you guys, but um, now you're in my home, home uh, country, so it's great to see you again. Well, thank you for being here, and you were, you were part of the, we did like a little uh, meet and greet event beforehand, and uh, thank you for being a part of that. Thank Appreciate you. that. Thank you. Um, I've got a question which seems kind of basic, but passion it's the biggest problem I have in terms of letting go of the stuff that's easy, you know, get rid of it all. But when someone asks me, what is your passion? Like Ryan said, it is like, I don't know, like, you know, I like to read books or go to the beach or, you know, but my passion, like, how can you, what is your suggestion for really thinking about what is my passion and how can I then translate it to be able to live more meaningfully and potentially get out of the corporate rat race and yeah like it does sound crazy like how can I not know what my passion is you know after all these years of living but, I, I don't yeah. think it's crazy at all I, I think here's the unfortunate side of that word passion is we think we're supposed to have a really sexy answer to it right like I like hunting while skiing at the same time. Um, and, and like, because there are people who do have like really interesting passions, right? You're like, oh, I'm really into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and 
I think that's great, but I'm terrified of you. Um, and, and, um, and so, like, there are all these, like, supposedly good answers. Just like when we were talking earlier back there when we had the, the little VIP event, and, and we were talking about one of the most dangerous questions in life is, what do you do? Although that's one of the first questions we ask someone, right? When we meet them, we say, what do you do? And then we recite the titles on our business card. And so we wanted uh, a sexy answer to that. And then we figure out, well, maybe that's not what I'm passionate about. But the truth is, we don't have to have a sexy answer to what do you do, because if you're asking, how do I earn a living, that may not be what I'm passionate about. If it is, that's great. Um, when, the, when there's overlap there, that can be great. It's not always great. Sometimes, depending on your passion to earn a living actually hurts the passion and removes the passion from your life. We just did a, a podcast recently with a guy named Paul Johnson. Um, he is a lead singer in a band called Canyon City, and it's uh, episode 123 of the podcast. And he was talking about how he finally was making a living full-time off of music, and it removed his love of music because he was doing sort of corporate kind of music, like, oh, Coca-Cola called, I need to do a jingle for them. And all of a sudden, he was realizing, like, oh, the, this thing I was passionate about because I was doing it for the right reasons, now that I'm doing it for the wrong reasons, it's no longer, it's no longer there for me, that feeling isn't. So it's possible to do the right thing in the wrong way. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think the biggest confusion I had with passion was I felt like uh, there had to be something that was uh, just this really outstanding answer and I wanted like other people to um, be inspired by my passion. Right. And, and I would say that, like that's, that's what we're doing now, don't get me wrong, but the thing about the thing that I didn't understand about passion is that to get to this level, it takes so much work mm. and it takes so much dedication and it takes so much focus. It's not something that, you know, when Josh came, when I went to Josh and I was like, you know, why the hell are you so happy? And he said, minimalism. I was like, I'm passionate about minimalism. Let's start a blog. <laughs> I mean, it started with, I need to do something different. I need to uh, really change my state and minimalism sounds like something that can really help me reconfigure what I'm living my life for. And then as I got into it, I, I developed this, this passion for talking about it, for uh, talking to Josh about it. And, and we would come up with new ideas and new thoughts. And, and next thing you know, you know, we're writing a book. I, I have never, like when we were in the fifth grade, we would get an assignment from our teacher. Hey, we need you guys to go home and write a one page essay. Josh was excited. He's like, oh man, we could go write. And I'm like, why do you like to write? Like, that is so weird, man. And really, I was just, you know, judging, judging uh, myself for not liking to write. But, but it wasn't until uh, I had a story to tell that I really, really wanted to get down and write. Well, thank God for Josh. Because he, you know, I kind of feel like sometimes I go to him and I bring him like this really lumpy piece of gold. And I'm like, hey, dude, look at, the, look at what I found. Can you like, can you make it that nice bar shape <laughs> that looks real nice and clean? 
And, and uh, I, I started writing, and I, and I wouldn't really call myself like super passionate about, about writing per se, but writing, it leads to this passion, right here, being on stage and, and really doing as much as we can to add as much value to all of your lives as we can. So I guess another way said is you don't have to expect to wake up every single day and like not feel like you're going to work. Mm. That's a really... It's a really bad expectation. I think there's someone out there who probably is living that life, but for all of us in this room to expect that is, is, really, is really, really crazy. So I would, I would look at what is your definition of passion and, and, and maybe start there because passion doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be starting a blog and you know, being in front of 800 people. Um, it, it could be something very simple like taking care of your kids or uh, helping your neighbor out who, who can't cook a meal on, on their own or they can't maybe cut their grass and, and you're going to help them cut their grass. You can be passionate about so many things, but your passion doesn't have to be this wondrous, amazing thing. And you don't have to make money from it, for sure. Just to echo what Josh yeah. said. Don't, yeah. don't put pressure on yourself to make money from it. So when, when, when you think of passion, what do you think about? Probably I think of spending time with family and things yeah. like that. Like, so not even, ah, it's, it's really hard. It's funny. So you start, you, 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 as soon as I asked that question, your physiology changed. You got a, a okay. bit of a smile on your face, but you also got a little bit of this like nervous anxiety and, and which I actually translate into excitement. Like you're, you, you may move your shoulders a little bit. You got a little bit excited. And here, here's what I'll say is too often we confuse excitement for passion. I used to do this all the time. I'd get really excited about an idea. And for me, it had to do with like I was writing a short story or a novel or something. I'd get really excited about it for a week or two weeks, but then I'd hit a wall and I'd just set it aside and move on to something else. And then I'd hit another wall on the next thing and I'd set it aside and move on to something else. And I'm like, I must not be passionate about that. I'm not excited about it anymore. Well, no, real passion comes from the work, drudging through the drudgery and being willing to, to fail repeatedly. And I think the part where you're at right now, the problem is you may have not failed enough yet. I think I'm too scared to. Yeah. You know, like it's that seven out of 10 comfort like you talked about. Yeah, so, so sometimes we get really yeah. comfortable in, a, in, a, in whatever position that we're in, uh, whether it's a career or it's a lifestyle or whatever, we don't want to walk away from that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so you might be too comfortable right now, too comfortable to fail is like a good blog title. Someone get that right now before someone else does. Um, but th that's, that's kind of how, that's how we've set up our society. We've nerfed our lives to death. And like all of a sudden now, like we get a paper cut and we're freaking out. And, and, and I think that's true creatively as well. You're not going to do anything that's meaningful creatively until you fail over and over and over again. I spent a decade writing without having anyone read it. In fact, the only people who read my writing for a decade were people who told me no. Agents, publishers, no, 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 no. I have an inch thick stack of rejection letters. And now I'm in front of, you know, almost a thousand people tonight because I didn't, I took no as one step closer to whatever my yes was going to be. I, I think the best thing you could do if you're scared of failing is go out and fail on purpose 
in really small ways. Like the next time you're at dinner and it's really, really good, just ask the, the waiter or waitress for a refill. <laughs> The, the next time you go somewhere, ask for, like, ask for something that's not on the menu and see what happens. Here's, here's an assignment that our friend, remember Julian Smith? He was on our um, uh, Montreal podcast. We, we were in Montreal uh, last year. And one thing that he does, and it's one of the hardest things I've ever done, but once I went out and did it, it was so easy. And it, and it, it made this, because you know you're going to fail. Go to a coffee shop, especially like a shitty corporate coffee shop. This one works really well. And and you buy your cup of coffee and you know it's $2 or whatever. And when they ring you up, say, can I have 10% off, please? <laughs> it seems easy when you say it like that, but when you're there at the register because it seems so absurd, you're like, uh, can I, <laughs> here's $2. <laughs> because 20 cents is not consequential for you, but what is consequential is they're gonna tell you no. Or you know what? They just might say yes. <laughs> I encourage you to get out there and fail, and okay. fail well. Thank you, guys, and thanks. I enjoy you so much. Thank, Thank you, you, Kate. Howdy. What's your name? Hi. Oh, that's really... You can cool. move it down. It's okay. Just hey. tilt it down. There we go. All right. Hi, uh, I'm Jade. I'm from uh, Bayside, Mornington Peninsula. And uh, my question is about debt, but specifically student debt. So um, a couple of years ago, I finished an advanced diploma and now I have a horrible $60,000 sitting there in student debt, just kind of waiting to be paid off. And now I've made the decision to go back and study again, but this time I'm paying for my course as I go. Uh, which actually feels phenomenal to actually start paying that off. Now the, the struggle that I'm having now is more that lovely black hole just kind of sitting there in the back of my head, taking up a bit of space, the conscious thought of now that's one day, that's something now that I'm going to have to sit now and pay off at one point. And some days I'm like, no, it's okay, I can justify spending this money on this new course, it's working to a career, it's actually really feeding like my passion, my soul, and what I think is really driving me. Uh, but then some days it's get a bit of anxiety just having it kind of sitting there. And I know that you guys have had your own journey of debt and working through that as well. So I'm curious as to what kind of keep at it, man, kind of attitude that you guys have that can just help in those moments when you're just feeling a bit down and a bit out about it and wallowing in it. How am I ever going to get out of this kind of debt? Well, I think the first step in getting out of debt is, mm. is to stop going into debt. And so you, you've, you've taken that first mm. step, right? You, you've recognized that there's an issue there and that you want to be able to pay that off, right? Yeah. Um, but then going beyond that, y y there's this thing that's lurking. And you said two words that terrify me. One day, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay that off one day. And I know when I flip those two words around and realize like today's day one when I'm mm. going to start dealing with that, it changes, it changes a lot. Now, what you're saying is your current circumstance doesn't allow you to start paying that off, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think what you really need is, is, is a good plan. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'll, get, I'll give you a few resources. It's not going to be easy. It mm -hmm. took me several years and a lot of hard work to start paying off my debt. Mm -hmm. 
but it was well worth the the temporary sacrifice to, to get to the other side of that mm. because I've never felt that kind of freedom before mm. once I made it to the other side because it's not just, it's not that this huge weight is lifted it is but then all of a sudden you have all of these other options that open up to you because you're not tethered to this lifestyle you're not tethered to a particular career you're not mm. tethered to a particular geography you're willing to untether from everything once you're, you, you get rid of that debt. So a few resources for you. Uh, number one is Ryan and I wrote this, like five, it's called, uh, five, uh, what's it called? Financial Freedom, Five Difficult Steps to Get Out of Debt. And the word difficult is the, the key word there because it is truly difficult to get out of debt. But it's also simple. So simple ain't easy. Mm. But if you put a plan in place and work the, pl the plan, so if you just go to theminimalists.com slash freedom, that's exactly how I paid off my debt, um, step by step. Uh, the next resource I'm gonna give you is we did a podcast on debt specifically. So we did like a long two hour dissertation on it. And the third resource, and probably the most helpful one, is a book called Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. And uh, he has these, these, what he calls the seven baby steps. And, and it starts with this debt snowball. Getting out, of, getting out of debt starts with this debt snowball. And the last thing I'll leave you with is if you don't have a severe budget that you stick to religiously, mm -hmm. then it's always going to be yeah. one, one day. Mm -hmm. But once you get that budget, that's day one. Do you have a budget right now? Yeah, I've, uh, awesome. yeah. For this course at the moment, I'm putting aside about 600 bucks uh, a month to pay for this, and I've mapped it all out. And that's basically I'll be able to pay my forty thousand dollars over the six years to pay for this new course now, which is awesome. Cool. I think it's more this new one, at least how in Australia it works with the debt fee help that I'm currently on. Once you start earning over about 52k, then it will naturally come out of your tax as well. But even then, that's takes a long time to pay that off and I'm not happy with it just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it's, like I said before, some days are feeling really good. It's like, not, you know what, it's just patience. It's just patience, so just one, yeah, like, I mean, similar to you saying one day at a time and just taking it that way, but then so, so how, anxiety centers. How long have you had a budget? How long have you been working your budget? Uh, well, two months, I only just started this new course this year. Okay, so. Yeah. That, that's not surprising to hear you say you've been doing it for two months because yeah. right now is when it's, it's getting hard. Mm -hmm. And month three might even be harder. Mm -hmm. Month four might even be harder than that. But eventually, maybe month five, it'll, it'll just mm -hmm. be a little less hard. Yeah. But the rules that you've created for yourself, the budget mm -hmm. you have, like this is exactly what you need to do. It. Mm -hmm. um, as far as getting inspiration, I mean, for me, I always, I always look at why it is what I am doing. So, you know, I could sit here and say, well, make rules for yourself. Like, you know, if you go out to buy something, if you have debt, you cannot afford to bring anything new into your life. Mm -hmm. But to, to be inspired to do that, uh, for me, it was looking at an item and saying, oh, you know what? If I don't buy this item, I can put this towards my, my debt. And this is literally things I was thinking. I can put this towards my debt. Mm -hmm. And the less debt I have, the closer I am to leaving this really, really terrible place that I, I, I am right now in my job. And, and the closer I am to, to getting out of this hole, this deep, deep hole that I have, I have dug for myself. Mm. And, and getting behind the why is what, I, is what I personally use as leverage. 
and, and uh, you can look at it too as just kind of looking at that light at the end of the tunnel. There is a light, right? So I think focusing on that helps. Um, the other thing that helped me too is just surrounding myself with awesome people. I mean, there are times where I wanted to give up, um, but you know, before I even knew about minimalism, um, I was going to school, going to college, and I didn't start college till I was like 25. Um, work paid for it, uh, and I was like, ah, you know what, I might as well go ahead and go to college. So I was like three years into it, and um, I was racking up some debt, and I was getting sick and tired of uh, working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and going to school on top of it. Mm-hmm. And I had people around me who I would lean on. And I remember one specific friend where I was just like, uh, you know what? I'm just going to like, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to like quit college. I'm going to quit my job. And I'm just going, I'm going to go, I'm just going to declare bankruptcy because that's what you do in the United States when you give up. <laughs> that's, not, that's not necessarily true. But, but that's, that's how I was looking at it. And, and my friend was like, Ryan, you know, uh, what is this? This is your... Uh, you're in your third year and, and you've got four years of school and I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, you're, these, these two years are really going to suck, man. <laughs> but if you leave now, like you're really going to regret that. Mm. And, and that, uh, that friend uh, was there, you know, multiple times to, to help, help me um, kind of talk me off the ledge. Thank God for Josh. I cannot tell you how many times he has talked me off the ledge. He's talked me off the ledge like 10 times this week already. <laughs> But, but, but surrounding yourself with good people, supportive people, like that's also going to help you stay motivated as well. Yeah. One last thing. It, uh, it's it's kind of painful to have debt, right? Like you feel it. It's visceral, right? Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> I, I want it to be painful, right? Because that, that means you're going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we make the change. We take the action when we feel enough pain and clearly you feel enough pain because you're you're standing in front of a microphone and in front of hundreds of people yeah Yeah. (laughs) and and i i really want to acknowledge you and commend you for being willing to ask that question Mm. um but i i think the pain in this case is good because here's the thing you don't go to the gym once and expect to be fit for life I wish, I mean, if I had that option, that'd be great. I'd go right after this and like hit the gym really hard and then walk out with my six pack abs and that'd be great. Uh, but the truth is, no, it, it's a process and getting out of debt is going to take a while. You're gonna feel really good on the other side of it though. So check out those resources I gave you. Yeah, I think they'll point you in the right direction. Cool. Thanks, thanks, Dad. Thank you for the question. Hi. Howdy. Hi. My name's Tashi. I'm from the mountains outside Melbourne. Hey, Tashi. Um, I really struggle with the idea of being eco-friendly, and I'd love to get rid of a lot of stuff from my life, but I'm really scared of what's going to happen to it when I get rid of it for the planet. So I know that there's donation shops and recycling for old clothes and stuff, but... I can't be sure what's going to happen to it, whereas I think maybe if I hold on to it, I can, in 20 years' time, find some desperate use for it so it's not wasted and I'm not adding to landfill. Yeah. So, so two words for you. Trade me, right? Like the, 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 or eBay is one word. 
Um, th th there are there are a bunch of resources that you can sell stuff first. That's what I did, and that's another answer to, to paying off a bunch of my debt. Anything that was not bolted down, I was trying to sell um, for twenty bucks or more. Right? Like if it was less than twenty dollars. I was giving it away, but otherwise, it was on Craigslist, it was on eBay, it was wherever. I was yard sale, trying to get rid of the stuff because. Just because the thing doesn't add value to you doesn't mean it won't add value to someone else. Now, what you're saying is I need to find the appropriate person that it's going to add value to. But you, there, there, there are basically three types of items we're talking about here, right? We're talking about essentials. That's the stuff you really want to hold on to because it's essential to you. Non-essentials. It's up to you to decide what, what is essential, what isn't essential. And you probably want to sell a lot of that stuff or get it out of the way if it's not essential to you. And then the other things are junk. Another way to say that is trash, right? And I think what we, get worry, what we worry about is we just combine all three and we say, all the stuff I'm letting go of is just going to end up in a landfill. But no, the truth is most of that stuff is going to end up in the hands of someone else. But if you do have legitimate real trash that no one else is going to get value from, then that, that you have to let go of it. It's going to be trash. Otherwise, it's already, I mean, it already is trash. It's just sitting on your shelf instead of in the landfill. The responsible thing to do going forward is to consume less to produce less waste. Yeah, I, yes, do everything you can to recycle, to donate, to, uh, yes, make sure that your things find another home. But getting caught up in, in the weeds with, with the trash is... I mean, for, for me, because I, I also went through this, but it really held me back. Because for me, it was, um, it, it was like photos, and, and a lot of this stuff I could recycle, but I mean, some stuff like, you know, a bunch of Polaroids I had or something from when I was a kid, like those are, you, you can't recycle those. So I mean, it, and they're not good for the landfill. But ultimately, I, I would rather have, I would, I, I would rather not have uh, wasted space than, than wasted trash. So the, the other thing too is like, don't bring more trash into your life. And, and, and if you have to go through this one purging situation where you've done everything you can to absolutely reuse, recycle, re-gift every single thing you can and you're left with this pile of trash and you gotta purge that, I promise you that your trash purge it is not going to put a huge, a huge, huge dent. I'm not trying to say it's okay to put stuff in landfills, but I am trying to look at this realistically. And if you make deliberate decisions moving forward, you'll never have to face this again. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you for being here. Howdy. Hey, welcome to Melbourne. Thank you. What's Hi. your name? My name's Georgia. Hey, um, Georgia. Hey. <laughs> So thank you so much for adding immense value to my life in like the last year, I'd say. Um, you've come to work with me in my three-hour commute every day. I always try and put the... Three hours. <laughs> an hour and a half there and back, you know. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's worth it. But um, yeah, I definitely feel like you've been there for me and I feel like a lot of others too, but um, before my 20th birthday last month, I was fortunate enough to um, have some guidance to help me quit my job that was 50 hours a week, 
for it. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. Thanks, yeah, give yeah. a round of applause for sure. Um, I'm, I'm so lucky that I have a passion, a passion that I can turn into now my business. So um, being so young, I guess, um, is an advantage, but it's also quite um, daunting. I find telling myself all the time, you've got time, you don't need to do this now, whatever. But um, say we could go back to the cafeteria, I would call it the canteen, that's an Australian term, but the lunchtime thing, you know, yeah. and um, you're saying I want to make 50K. If I was there and you guys could give me some knowledge now to say to you guys, but wait, what, like, what could you say? You know, being 20, it's, um, it's you, you rise going through teenage, you get there, and then you're back into the baby of the adult world, so. Yeah, actually, here's, here's the weird thing. It, it, it almost seems paradoxical. I'm really glad you're asking this question at 20. I wish I would have been asking it, because your time is actually worth more right now because it compounds. A lesson that you learn during your 21st year of life is going to be there, you know, on, on average, if you look at actuary tables, you know, for another 60 years, right? Whereas if you make that, I had, we had a 93-year-old great-grandmother mm -hmm. come up to our, in our San Diego event, and she said, I'm finally simplifying my life for the first time. <laughs> and I said, that's great, but, but the value of her time, it's not going to last for another 60 years like yours is, and it's going to compound with every good decision you're making, and that's why the bad decisions that I made throughout my 20s that I pretended were good decisions, <laughs> it was like traveling down the wrong path. And actually traveling so far, you get committed to traveling down the wrong path. Like, I've already gotten this far, I'm just gonna keep going. Even though it's the wrong way. And, all, and I was running down that path as fast as I could, even though I knew it was the wrong direction, right? And all I had to do was turn around and start walking back the other way. The good news for you is you don't have to start walking back this way. You need to start running in your direction. Here's the other, the other thing that I'll tell you. The other thing that I would love to have told my 20-year-old self. Well, two other things, at least. Um, uh, the, the other thing is that you might be really passionate about the thing you're passionate about right now, but you might have chapters in your life. You might be passionate about that for five years, and then it pivots. It doesn't mean it totally changes. I'll give you an example. For me, I was really passionate about writing fiction. In fact, until maybe a couple of years ago, I would have still called myself a fiction writer like, with respect to this thing that we do, even though that's not the primary thing I do anymore, right? And so I had to let go of that and realize that my passion has pivoted. I'm, I, I still am really passionate about writing, but now it's narrative nonfiction. And so it's, it's a different thing. And then my passions can change in the future as well. So there can be this 10-year passion, and then there's a new chapter, and you'll move on to another 10-year passion, or five-year, or one-year, or a repeated set of failures, but keep running in that direction as opposed to the wrong direction. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, well, you seem like so much more ahead of me than when I was 20 years old. So like the advice I, I would give to my 20-year-old self, I really don't know if it's going to help you, but I'll tell you what I would have told my 20-year-old self. Um, I well, first off, I really wish that I understood how when I was 20 years old, if I had a really, really good idea that it really wasn't worth anything without action. Because I would, I would be you know, painting or hanging wallpaper. It was just as glamorous as it sounds. And, and I'm like, I remember I was like in this, uh, uh, in, in, like this small little entryway and I'm like 
scraping off this wallpaper, like stripping wallpaper off this wall. And I was just like, oh my God, I just want to like come up with this million dollar invention. So I do not have to scrape this stuff off the wall anymore. And uh, I would have all these awesome ideas and I get really, really excited about them, but I never really acted on them. And you know, now my 36 year old self, I'm like, I actually did have some really, really cool ideas. I really wish I would have just started taking some action towards those things. Uh, that way too, you also find out what you're truly, truly passionate about. It sounds like you, you have discovered a passion and, and you, you are creating a business around it, which is awesome. Um, the other thing I would tell myself is, I guess I would just really try to warn myself about all the pacifiers that I had in my life. I mean, I still, I still do this with myself. It's, it's, very, um, it's a very slippery, slippery slope with me. Um, as I get older, the, the more that I uh, put these rules into my life and, and, and really you know, try to focus on the right things, I'm less, um, I, I feel less, uh, less likely to reach for pacifiers. For example, um, Mariah and I, we have a TV. Uh, at 20 years old, if the TV was in the house, I would get up, turn the TV on, uh, you know, turn it off, go to work, come home, turn the TV on. Um, TV's on all night make, while I'm making dinner, while I'm eating dinner, while uh, when, when I went to bed, fell asleep to the TV. Where now I have a TV in my life and uh, it, 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 it's not a problem. It is not something that I just turn on and it's, it's not just a fireplace. So um, be careful with pacifiers. Um, think about what, what, what yours are. Uh, hopefully they're not all the the drugs and the alcohol and everything else that I used to do to pacify myself. But we all do have some, some things that we go to, to, to unwind. And I don't want to say that it's not okay to do these things, it, but it is a balance. Watching TV, yeah. I love sitting down and watching me some Game of Thrones or, uh, you know, what is, what is Mariah watch? Uh, I think it's called McLeod's Daughters. Do you guys just know about this? <laughs> yeah, you do know about this because it's, yeah. So it's, it's an Australian soap opera thing. She loves it. I can't get into it. <laughs> but she absolutely loves it. And, uh, and, and I'm glad that she can sit there and find enjoyment in that. But it's not taking away from our relationship. It's not taking away from, from my relationship with Josh. It's not taking away from this greater focus that we're trying to have. So any pacifiers you do have and you notice that they are taking away from this focus that you're really trying to uh, create right now, you've got to be willing to let those go. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. Thanks for You're being welcome. here. Ryan, do you know what time it is? Uh-oh. It's the lightning round. Oh, I thought that was like gunshots. <coughs> Sorry, I'm American in a crowded place. <laughs> He's a little jumpy. Uh, yeah, it is time for the lightning round. We're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at The Minimalists. Uh, we usually answer questions from social media during the lightning round, but since you're here, we're going to answer your question normally, but then we'll, like, we'll wrap it up with a neat little bow that's 140 characters long that you can send out into the socials. And uh, uh, we call them Minimal Maxims. We catalog all of them over at minimalmaxims.com. Howdy, what's your name? Hi, I'm Jenny from Gippsland. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, I come with my daughter tonight, and I'm hoping you can help me with my husband. <laughs> All right, we'll see what we can do. Ryan, did um, she ask us to kill her husband? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm retired.
moment, so I'm the opposite end of the scale to the young girl that was just here. My daughter's um, doing her house out. I'm trying to do our house out, but I've got a husband who loves garage sales, and he gets the best deals ever. Um, our lounge room carpet was getting smaller and smaller, and it was only last week I said to him that he had to stop bringing stuff home, but yesterday he came home with some more good things, which I showed him <laughs> four of what he brought home I had in the kitchen anyway, so they were useless. So what I did was on Friday, I, when he wasn't there, I cleaned... <laughs> good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I um, cleaned up the whole lounge room. Everywhere he had things which were just sort of creeping over the carpet, I loaded everything onto the couch. And the couch is, is really high now. And Wait, are, are you from Minnesota? Because that is the most passive-aggressive thing. You can't sit on the couch. He's got his little area over there. And at the front door, I put a table and all these beautiful clothes that he's brought home from all these garage sales, they got piled there. And when I left tonight, I said to him, he knew I was coming in, I said to him that I was going to stand up and ask this question. He said... What did he say? I bet you won't be game. <laughs> but well, I you proved him wrong. Good for you. That's a lot of courage. So, he, he, I went to bed last night with your voices. I had earphones on. <laughs> All night long. Honey, I went to bed last night with two guys from the internet. <laughs> um, oh, I lost my train of thought now. No, <laughs> I was really worried that you were going to say when your husband left that you piled it up and threw it all out. No, no, no. Okay, but thank goodness I, he didn't do that. When I left today, I said to him, can you try and do something with that? And he says, I might. Is there any way I can... He won't read your book. He won't listen to your things. Your... your um, podcast is it any way you how can, can you how can we force him to read the book yeah. <laughs> have you guys seen clockwork orange um no so so uh, uh i have a pithy answer for you so we can just get that out of the way because uh, you talk about how he gets the greatest deals right yeah, yeah like really okay so, so so it's a hundred percent off if you don't buy it <laughs> <laughs> But let me say a bunch of stuff here. Um, first off, you two are on the same team. And, and in order to... It, it, I've, I used to follow American basketball really, really closely. And um, occasionally there'd be two players on the same team who would get into an argument with each other and they would feud and the team would suffer because of it. And, and that's what's happening right now. You, you are very focused, and I understand why, because I, I, I was focused on the same stuff. You're very focused on the how and the what. The what being the stuff, and how the hell are we going to get it out of this house, right? Um, before we can get to those things, before we can get to the what, which is before the how, there's a big step at, at the front. It's the why. And so I'm going to ask you at least two questions here. How many kids do you have? Just, Only one. Just one. Come with me tonight, yeah. Okay. He or she? She. Okay. Hayley. She's she, she's here with you tonight. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this: How might your life be better with less? You. Less stress. 
Uh-huh. Stressful. Okay. And so and, if, and if, if, if that stuff was gone tomorrow, it just spontaneously combusted, your life would be less stressful. Yeah, and I'd okay. have lower insurance because I'd be able to park my car in the garage, <laughs> which you can't now. <laughs> okay. So let's, let, let, let's, ref, let's reframe that. You'd have, instead of less stress, because stress is a negative word, I'd have more calm. I'd have more space in, in the garage. I'd have more money because my insurance was less, right? And so, so by having less, you're gonna have more of these other things. But, but how might your daughter's life be better if you all had less? Oh, I don't know. Um, right. Oh, well, they would visit more because I don't encourage them to come to our house at the moment. So with the two grandkids, yeah. uh, they would, I would have them at our place more, but there's no room. Improved relationships, so yes. better relationships. Better, better. Yes. Uh, more quality time. Yes. Uh-huh. So better quality as well. Mm-hmm. So, so um, that's how your daughter's life might be left, and all, uh, better with less. And also, then by proxy, your grandchildren's True. life yeah. would be better with less, well, right? She's got the grandchildren giving up their toys. <clears throat> Yeah. They're putting out of their room what they don't want. Yeah, we, it was funny. We were with Derek Sivers last night and we, in uh, Auckland, and we had a whole conversation. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you all about minimalism and toys. So I'll, I'll save that because it's a 20-minute dissertation. <laughs> but, but now we've asked those two questions. What you need to figure out is this third question. You don't have to answer it now. In fact, I would encourage you not to. I want you to think about it. How might your husband's life be better with less? Because what we've just identified is you have a different answer from your daughter, and also you're gonna have a different answer, you're both gonna have a different answer from your husband. And the reason he's not dealing with the what and the how is because he doesn't have a why. There is no why for him because he doesn't see it yet. And he doesn't feel compelled to let go of anything because right now all he associates letting go with is pain. We don't wanna do things that are painful. He trips over things though. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but he associates, so it's two types of pain. It's less pain <laughs> holding on than it is letting go, right? And, and so when we can associate pleasure with letting go, and that's understanding the why, and you're going to have to figure that out, but you're going to have to work together with him because we can't get rid of other people's stuff. We can't force them to do anything, but we can lead them in the direction that is, is appropriate for them. So you have asked your husband to do these things. Um, what's the last stuff he's asked you to do? I'm just curious. That he's asked me mm-hmm. to not move his things in the. <laughs> <laughs> well, See, that's, that's a conundrum. That's not an action, though. What, what's an action that? Yeah. He's what, asked? what isn't like an action that he has asked you to do differently? That is there anything that he has asked of you lately, or in the last however long? Well. Yeah, my father died November, and he has asked me to stop bringing home things from Dad's house. Oh, man, I did not think this conversation was going on. <laughs> no, I, but I'm, that's all right. I, I am, no, no, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss, and um, I don't want to undermine the importance of remembering your father. Mm. Um, you could, though, however... Because this is what I do. When I want, when, when I, when there is something that um, I want Mariah to change, I'm trying to think of something that I've asked. I can't even, I can't think of anything recently. But I, I know there has been something where I'm like, honey, it would really help me out if X. 
I do not ask her if she will change what she's doing unless I have went out of my way mm. to, to support her and, and to change very small things that she says, hey, Ryan, you know, to really help me out if, if you could just like keep your socks right side out, like that would be awesome. Like that would really help me. I mean, just little mm. small stuff. So when, when I go to Mariah and I'm like, you know, I'm making this up. I've never asked her to do this. But if I was to go to her and be like, oh, you know, honey, um, you always leave your shoes right there in the entryway and uh, I always trip over them. Can you, please, can you please put your shoes up because I don't want to trip on your shoes anymore. If I haven't put all that energy and effort into that relationship, she's going to have, because this is human tendency, she's going to have something to be like, oh, well... I'll go ahead and I will put my shoes out of the uh, out of the entryway if you stop you know pressuring me to be a minimalist. I've never pressured to be a minimalist. <laughs> but 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 there becomes this tit for tat thing. Mm. So I, I guess what you have right now is actually I feel like is very good it's a very good like olive branch to to bring to your husband. Mm-hmm. And 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 you can say, you know, I realize how important it is to have a clean home. I, I want my grandbabies over here. And, and this needs to be a safe environment for them. And uh, I just want to let you know that I have decided to, um, I'm just going to make one more trip to, to dad's house or however many trips it is. I'm not, mm. you put a number on it. And you don't even have to do this. Just an idea. Mm. Just my two cents. I, I've, I've decided I'm going to you know, make these last couple trips and uh, I'm going to stop bringing stuff into the house because I really want my grandbabies here. Would you be willing to work with me to to help me? Change. Yeah, to help me change. Mm-hmm. And and when you're work, we you can find ways to work together like that. Mm-hmm. You can help each other change in very positive ways. Right. The other thing I was thinking too, because this is the lightning round. Whenever, whenever, <laughs> whenever someone buys something on sale, what Twitter like increased their character count. Like I think I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like 279 characters. <laughs> I'm so close. So, whenever I think about getting something on sale, um, I always like, because, you know, uh, family, friends, they, they will always, oh, I got this thing on sale, and they like look at me for a reaction, like I'm going to judge them, and I don't. But anytime I hear, I don't say this, but I think every time, like, you got something on sale, awesome, now what? Mm. Oh, I got this TV, and, and, and I was looking for a TV, and, and I went on Black Friday, and I got $200 off, and Ryan, I would not have been able to afford that unless I went Black Friday, but now I have this TV, and it's in my house, and, and there it is, and it's my TV, and I'm like, awesome, now what? And, and I know there are some awesome deals out there. I, I mean, there's an exception to every rule, but for most of the items that we buy on sale just because they are on sale, now what? Did you buy out of boredom as well? Oh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, so, so, so the, the boredom, I, I, if you said that earlier, I, I didn't, I didn't hear you say that, but no, I didn't, no. so if, if your husband is buying stuff out of boredom, that's what I think he might be doing. Oh, so find a way to make him not bored. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and, and all seriousness though, I do mean that meaning find a hobby that you can get lost with him in. And, and did that come out wrong again? <laughs> He's talking about hand jobs. <laughs> right? Oh, my, exactly. 
Uh, no, no, no. I mean, it, it, like Mariah and I, we love to snowboard together. Uh, we love to travel together. Uh, we love to read the same books. Um, we, we don't watch all of the same TV shows together. I already explained that earlier. But, but we, we do what we can uh, to, to help, uh, to help keep, keep ourselves, uh, not entertained, but, but to keep ourselves away from bringing other bad habits to our lives. And it does include a lot of hand jobs by, by chance. <laughs> 93% of uh, teenagers, uh, female teenagers, list shopping as their favorite pastime. And so I'll leave you with one more pithy answer here. Um, shopping is not an experience. And I think that right now he's treating it as an experience. And so you do need to, to figure out what, what are the experiences in, in his life that he would like to bring back in. There was something at some point mm. where there was a better way to experience life. So sh how about this? Shopping is not a way to experience life. Mm. Thanks for being here. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I know we got time for at least one more. I'll try to squeeze in yeah, we'll get, let's get two more in. You all are okay I with am, that, right? I am, I am so sorry. That is a beautiful dress, by the way. Oh, thank you. I love that. Thank you. Oh. You just cut this woman off oh. with your question. I'm, I'm sorry, but she has been waiting there the whole time. Yeah, yeah no think, worries. I, no, it's, I, know, a, I know you didn't do it on purpose. It's no worries at all. Yeah, I think we have a line back there. I'm sorry. Howdy. Hi. What, um, what's your name? My name's Maddie. Uh, I wrote it down. Beautiful. Thank you. It's just water. <laughs> um, uh, mine's not a funny one. Um, so you guys have spoken a lot about moving on and changing the people around you, but usually it's in regards to being individuals and we're in control of that. Um, what are your thoughts when a family member leaves you and never comes back? So I think it depends on, on what the situation is, obviously. So, so I have you know, the the most dramatic way that a family member leaves you is they die, right? I mean, it's not death. I I know, I know, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh, when my mother passed, like I I realized, and I still have dreams about her occasionally, like as if she's there, right? And and there's that want to like. I remember the first time that I wanted to call her because something happened, something good happened. And I'm like, hey, oh, fuck, I can't. And you're in a situation where it is the equivalent to that, right? You've lost contact for whatever reason, right? You had this person in, in your life for a season. And that season had its ups and downs. It had you know, the good and the bad. And that season's over at this point. And now what, right? Because what are we going to do? What, what, what is productive? What is, what is going to be the valuable bits that we can get out of this so we can pull it forward? Um, I could talk about a personal relationship that I had. It was like having a family member. I, I wrote about it in our book, Everything That Remains. Um, I've been love, in love twice in my life. And um, once was like, with, it was this great relationship and it was 
flourishing and like we truly loved each other. And I realized after the fact that every relationship has what I would call an us box. There's a, as a friend, Ryan is, is my closest friend. We have an us box. It's this imaginary box in the middle and we both contribute to it, but we also both get something from it. That is the same with family members, it's the same with friends, acquaintances, whatever. If there's any type of relationship, we have this box. Now, I contribute what I can to this box, and I take what I need from the box. And over time, it all works out. Now, sometimes I'm able to contribute more than Ryan is. Other times, he's able to contribute a lot more than me. Sometimes I need more from this box. Sometimes I don't need that much at all. I take what I need and I give what I can. Well, the relationship that I had, the first time I was in love, I realized like that was going, the relationship was going great because that's exactly what was happening. We were both getting exactly what we needed. We were both giving whatever we could. But there became a point where I started to feel distant in the relationship. Things weren't the same. It wasn't just that the newness was gone or the chemistry was gone. That was part of it. But there was something missing. I didn't feel as good about the relationship anymore. And so I stopped giving as much because I wasn't getting. I didn't feel like I was getting what I needed out of it. And so I stopped giving as much. And then I started getting less. And so I stopped giving as much. And so I started giving even less. Until it got to a point where I was taking from it, but I wasn't giving what I could. I was giving a little bit here and there, but I wasn't really giving what I could. And I wasn't actually getting what I needed because I wasn't giving what she needed. And if I was no longer giving, then the relationship is dead. I mean, when you think about it this way, if you're just giving, 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 you're going to feel used. If you're in a relationship where you do nothing but give, then you are being used. Now, if I was in that relationship and I was just taking, well, I'm a parasite. I mean, by definition, that's what parasites do. They just take. And I didn't realize it until after the fact, until after everything ended, I realized, wow, there's nothing I can do to repair this. I'm not going to get this back. This dynamic is gone. That chapter of my life is over. What can I do with this? What is useful about this situation? Well, I'll tell you what was useful, is I took that lesson and I carried it forward to the relationship I'm in now with my partner. It's, it's by far, the best relationship I've ever had, but in a weird way, it continues to get better because I continue to give as much as I can, and as I give more, it's almost like this box expands, and I'm getting more than I ever have, and oh my God, it's hard. It is really hard to give like that and to be fully present but it's also everything. Um, man, 
That is so heavy. Uh, sorry. You're right. That was not funny. <laughs> I have to turn everything into a joke. I'm so sorry. Um, my, I was raised Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Uh, I was like baptized in that religion. Um, my, uh, my father is like, he's got a high position in the church. And um, Mariah and I live together and we're not married. So he hardly talks to me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it sucks. It really sucks. Because like, I mean, the last time I saw him was at my, it was a funeral. Yeah. Like, he'll see me at a funeral. Um, and I was like, dad, I was like, can we just like go on a trip or something together, man? Like just you and me, like, let's go on like, you know, a fishing trip or something. Or I just got my, Mariah and I just got our, our scuba diving licenses and I know he loves to scuba dive. I'm like, let's go on a scuba diving trip or something. He will not even have a meal with me. Um, it's not easy, but I guess what I've done is I've like, I've changed the expectation of that relationship. And really the best thing I can do, it, and, I, and I don't do this, I, I really should take my own advice here, is give him as much space as possible. I do, give him, I do give him as much, I do give him a lot of space, but there are just certain times where like, I'll just get so upset, like he, I won't go into it, but long story short, like I will, I will behave viscerally sometimes towards him, and I don't ever feel good about that when I, when I react like that. So, um, I guess for me, I, I changed my expectation of, of what that relationship was, and that really has helped me. It's, it does not make it easy, but over the last you know, four years that Mariah and I have lived together, um, it, it, what it has helped me do is uh, raise my standards with other relationships. And with family members, you don't get to choose family. So you kind of have to you, you kind of have to play by their rules a little bit if you want them to be in your life. And, you know, I guess the way I look at my father's relationship is I will never play by his rules. He will never play by my rules. And I've accepted that. And that's what, allow, that's what has allowed me to change the expectation. I, I cannot sit here and wish, man, I wish you would just go on this trip with me. It's, it, as far as I know, it's never going to happen. And he's only getting older. And I have only so much more time with him. And it drives me crazy. But I have to give him what he needs the most. And that's the only way, that is the only way he might change his mind. Is if I, if I can give him exactly what I can. Again, I'm not going to play by his rules. But what I can give him, I will. And right now that's space for him. So I'm going to give him some space. So I, there, there, is, there is no easy answer to your question. Um, but... Well, actually, you know what I was thinking when you first asked it? I've actually, I have a little mentoring thing where I take on different students, and I've actually talked through specific situations with people. If you want to talk to me for an hour, like, I'd be happy to talk to you for an hour, but I don't, wanna, I don't want you to, like, open up in front of a thousand people here. <laughs> we can talk about McLeod's daughters, maybe. We could, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to need to talk to Mariah about that. I tried to watch two episodes, man, like... <laughs> It was, it was endearing. I just, I just can't get into it. I can't get into soap operas, period. Um, but but uh, I, w- I would be happy to talk. If, if you're interested, I'd be happy to talk, to talk to you specifically about your situation because I feel like I need a little bit more information and I don't, wanna, I don't want you to open up for everyone here. I'll, I'll say a couple other things real quick. I, I, this will apply to you, but I think it'll be helpful for other people. 
Um, sometimes the best way to love someone is from a distance, and sometimes that's a great distance. Uh, and, and especially because some people in our lives play the role of the victim, and in time, victims become victimizers, and they will harm us if we don't create that distance, right? And then the other thing that I'll say is you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. And, and once I realized that, like, okay, this relationship may not be in my life. It was there for a reason, for a season, and that season has changed. But now it's my duty, it's my responsibility to have the relationships that are appropriate for my life now. And I can either continue to, to cling to the, the past, I can drive just looking at the rear view mirror, but if I do that, I'm gonna crash. If you seriously are interested, just, um, if you don't mind, just send me a tweet so I can get a hold of you. I'll join Twitter. <laughs> join Twitter. It's the best way to get a hold of me, at Ryan Nicodemus. Thank you very much. Thank you. But by the way, you can totally delete your Twitter account after we exchange information. You don't have to hang on to it. Howdy. Hi. Um, firstly, thank you. I appreciate you and the message that you are sending out to the world. Um, there's, I've written this down. Uh, there is so much that I'd like to talk to you about, but I will keep it to this. I'm a self-reformed hoarder, and hoarding runs in my family. Uh, when I am asked what to do for a living, I am blessed to be able to say I change people's lives through professional organising. I specialise in chronic disorganisation and hoarding. I really dislike the buzz term professional organising because um, at times I would struggle to organise my way out of a paper bag. <laughs> and certainly uh, couldn't organise an event, which is what most people think I do. Um, I would rather call myself a positive domestic behaviour builder. Uh, running a business in this field is interesting because people are so deeply fearful of discovering who they are without their stuff. Um, advertising, consuming and society tells us who we are um, and what, sorry, tells us who and what we are based on the stuff and the value of the stuff that we have. You've mentioned the word joy a few times in your presentation and my guess is that you know about the KonMari method of uh, decluttering which is about keeping items which spark joy. As a reformed hoarder who works with hoarders, I know just about everything sparks joy. <laughs> That's why op shops are so much fun and such a joyful place to be. <laughs> um, what doesn't spark joy is the idea of letting go of things. Uh, research has shown that pain receptors in the brain actually ignite when a hoarder releases items. Um, as a reformed hoarder, and before this research came out in the last 18 months, I would say to my clients, you will feel a pain and, but the more you practice the art of release, the more the pain will actually subside. Uh, so my question, my first question to you, and there's only two, <laughs> uh, my first question to you is, did you actually experience any pain, and not to say that you're a hoarder, but did you actually experience any pain when you were releasing your items? Um, and I'm just curious to know about the, your level of pain and if your journey was really so painful in letting go. Yeah, yeah, so, so I, first of all, I would say that we, um, 
You said the hoarding runs in your family. I would, I would argue that it runs in all of our families. And, and, and I know that sounds like a joke at first, but legitimately, I mean, they've done st studies on chimpanzees and bonobos that show um, when you give them a banana, they'll eat it. When you give them enough bananas to eat and share, they will eat and share those bananas. But if you give them a hoard of bananas, they will kill other chimpanzees to protect their hoard. And uh, as just a slightly higher primate myself, um, I, I see that same tendency in me. I've got to protect my whore, right? And, and that was certainly my tendency in, in my 20s. So was letting go painful? Yes. Until not letting go was more painful. That's pithy. Oh, man, I keep forgetting this is the pithy, the lightning round, pithy answers. Thank God Twitter increased their character. No, yeah. Um, you know, for me... To, I, I am, I feel really lucky that I don't have that hoarding tendency to the extent of, I saved magazines and I had, don't get me wrong, I had stacks of magazines. I was probably heading there, maybe. Um, but, but, you know, I could see my floor. It was, I had a messy house, don't get me wrong. It was, it was kind of cluttered. Um, but, but, but I, I can't. Uh, I, I, and I feel lucky to say, like, I can't, I, I have not ever been able to relate to the stacks and stacks and stacks of, of, of newspaper. But what I'll say is that um, I did feel pain when I was letting go of stuff. I mean, I remember when I first started putting stuff on Craigslist, um, I was like, all right, I paid $900 for this TV. I'm going to put it on Craigslist for $849. And, you know, of course, no one's, <laughs> someone's looking at it, they're like, I need a brand new updated one for 50 bucks more. And I'm like, okay, I'll lower it to $800 and then $749. And then uh, this really happened. And, and then I eventually let this TV go for 200 bucks. And it was really, really painful because I felt like I was, I was losing $700. And... Uh, every time I got rid of something, exactly what you just said, it hurt a little bit less and less. I stopped looking at the money that I was, because the next thing I sold off of the TV was a stereo set. And um, that stereo set was like, it was a surround sound system, it was like 700 bucks, because right, without the TV, like I definitely don't need the surround sound system. So uh, I, I, I sold this, uh, or I bought this for 700 bucks. I sold it for $50. Like, because I, I was playing the Craigslist game, and it got down to 50 bucks, and then the dude came, and he was like, I don't want all that stuff. He's like, I just want that receiver that you have. That's really what I'm after. And I was like, sorry, dude, you bought it all. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all right. So he took everything. Um, but, and I, I, that was the second thing I sold out for my TV, and I remember, yes, it hurting a little bit less, and then I started to, to like, see this room open up in my living room and I was like, oh wow, like this, this is starting to feel good. And then I could kind of look at, at those other things as, as sunk cost. Um, it's, it's still not, uh, it's not super easy to let go. It's easy for me to let go because I've built the habit and I know what's on the other side of it. But that twinge, like I, I will still get that twinge sometimes. Um, Man, we were at like a really awesome coffee shop uh, in Sydney. It was called uh, Paramount Coffee Project. And they gave us these little pins. And you know what? I was like, this is a cool pin. 
I really love this coffee place. There's one in LA. It started in Sydney. There's one in LA. And, um, and it, the one in Los Angeles is just as good. And I'm like, I, I don't wear logos, but I am. You know what? I'm going to put this on my bag. You, uh, uh, do you guys think I'm a fraud now because I was going to put this pin on my bag? No. But, but I was like, I was like all right, I'm going to put this pin on my bag and I'm going to represent PCP because when people ask me about that pin, they're going to be like, you're a minimalist. Why do you got a pin? And I'll be like, let me tell you about PCP. It's awesome because I do love talking about it. Uh, a day into it, like I put it in the wrong spot, like and I was walking and it like caught on my belt and just ripped off, and I was like, "That's ah, all right," <laughs> but I still I still had that twinge. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's my way of saying like there there is no, uh, it's never easy to let go, but it does get easier and easier the more you let go. Um, PCP is a really bad drug here in Australia. So. It's a really, it's a really bad, it's a really bad drug in the United States. It's too. a really good drug in the United States. <laughs> and that they were, they were, it's because it's coffee and it tweaks you. It's, I mean, I'm sure that there's some kind of ironic thing going on there. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for your question. Like we don't know what, like I don't know what PCP is. You know how many drugs um, I did? Come on now. <laughs> Um, and just quickly, secondly, there was a term that was used in a thesis in the 50s called voluntary simplicity. Um, and this was a paper about, even in the 50s, it was about living a life of less, but just a little bit more for comfort. So I'm just wondering if your vision of minimalism is actually about more about voluntary simplicity, which I know might affect your branding, but um, is actually more about living a life with less, but a little bit for comfort, as opposed to minimalism with vacant spaces. I don't care what you call it, honestly. I mean, it's, uh, you could call it um, Buddhism. People do call it Buddhism. People come up to us and they're like, you guys are Buddhists, aren't you? Like, I know, you guys will talk about religion, but I know that you guys are Buddhists. And then people will come up to us and be like, spreading Jesus' message. And I'm like, yep. And, and, it's, and, and all I can do is smile and say, I'm so glad you get that out of it. With the voluntary simplicity, um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's right along the lines as Buddhism, as Christianity, as simplicity, as minimalism. Um, it's funny because you brought up the um, professional organizer term and how you didn't like it. Do you know what I thought when Josh came to me with the name The Minimalists? I was like, I'm like, dude, that is the corniest name. I was like, we're going to be The Minimalists. Like, how can we just say that we're The Minimalists? And he's like, well, the domain's available for seven bucks. <laughs> I'm like, okay. He's like, do you have any better ideas? And I was like, I'll get back to you. And then like the next day, I'm like, no, I, have, I don't have any better ideas. Let's use it as a placeholder. It's still a placeholder, by the way. <laughs> Almost eight years later. Um, but but I, I guess what I wanted to tell you about just the um, professional organizing, embrace it embrace professional organizer because that is what people can resonate with minimalism everyone in here i could say minimalism and and, you, and most of you you know except for the ones that were dragged here you're not going to look at me like i'm nuts but if i go out on the street and i start talking minimalism is then people are going to start looking at me like i'm crazy and that's probably probably where the term minimalism is really going to be a turnoff to a lot of people but the people you deal with they love professional organizers so embrace it okay Thank you. Let's move on to our added value portion of the show. So we talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. Ryan, 
Have you had anything that's added value to your life recently? Okay, I haven't. I have not been here yet, or I haven't been. I've been here. I, I'm here right now. I haven't <laughs> been there yet, <laughs> um, but I've got to hit up Patricia's Coffee before I head out of, of uh, Melbourne. Do you guys know about Patricia's Coffee at all? Okay, if you don't, um, okay. So in America, we love filter coffee, and the reason being is is because you get more caffeine, uh, especially with like a pour over or. Um, a French press, which isn't, which isn't a filter coffee, but like those types of coffees you get the most caffeine out of. So of course, as Americans, we got to get the most out of our coffee. Um, but I know espresso is, is very popular over here. You don't, there's not a ton of awesome filter experiences, but Patricia's has an amazing filter coffee. And what's cool is when you walk in, if you don't like filter coffee and you already know it, great. You can still go there and get an awesome cup. But when you walk in, they've got three options, filter, white, black. That's it. They have picked out the best beans that day for the filter. And if you want to filter coffee, you get that coffee. And they've picked out the best beans that go with an espresso drink, a black espresso drink. And you get those beans. And then they've not only picked out the beans for the white drink, but they've also picked out the milk that they're going to use to make with that beans. It is the most intentional coffee place I've ever been to. All right, I'll stop talking about Patricia's. It's awesome. <laughs> It's a good spot. That's what I was going to recommend. So, damn, I'm stuck. You asked me first. <laughs> I should have gone first. But I have, I have, I have an alternate um, thing that not thing. I have an alternate added value uh, because it's not about things, right? It's clearly about experiences or, or things that we can take in. But over the last few weeks, we've been on. This is the end of the 50 city tour, but. We have seven cities in Australia and New Zealand, and we have a different tour promoter over here. And so um, it, it's, it's a company called Nice Events. And I can tell you that, Simon, I don't know if you're out there right now, and, and, and if you are, I'd love for you to come on stage, but he has been our road manager. Dude, Simon, you got to come on stage because he looks like the awesomest road manager ever. Where are you at, dude? But he has made everything work for us. Like, we can just show up. You've seen our documentary, right? There is this event that we went to in Las Vegas, and they forgot we were coming. <laughs> we had to, like, go find chairs and set up at, like, and, we've, and that's not the first time that's happened. We've had to set up at parks. Ladies and gentlemen, and on, Simon Christian. Come get a hug, brother. I'm telling you, not one event has forgot about us because of this man right here. And I want to look like him when I get older. <laughs> we love you, man. Thank you so much, Simon. And they've done great. And I see Brad hanging out right here in the audience. Ladies and gentlemen, Brad, he's, uh, he's the owner of, uh, of Nice. And they have, they have treated us really well, and uh, they dragged us out here, so they are the reason that we're here tonight. Um, I also want to thank, while we're here, the Forum. This is like one of the nicest venues we've been to all year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, awesome job. It's beautiful. I know, I know we're running over on time. I'm like way over, but... Um, I wanted to at least squeeze the most juice out of the evening. So if we have one more question back there, I see someone lined up. Howdy. Hello. What's your name? My name's Anita from well, Adelaide. Oh. Um, Is Adelaide in the house tonight? <laughs> nice. I knew there were a few people here because we waited too long to announce Adelaide. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so thank you for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, so I have just left a job that I was in for 10 years. Um, the main reason for leaving was I took a bit of a toll on my health, so lots of hospital um, visits and procedures and things. So I'm about to start a new job on Tuesday, um, and I just would like any tips for sort of reconciling how to um, impress my new employer. I'm a lawyer, so it's a bit of a flaw with the job, but um, how to impress them and show that I'm a hard worker, but also you know, make sure that I remember to say no and keep my health and what's important at the front of my mind. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to be blunt <laughs> with you, and I don't know if this is going to apply to you or not. Yeah. Uh, in the United States, fuck. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a, like, I have, just, I have to say this frankly. Um, I don't know any happy lawyers. I know I'm wrong when I say that. I know there are some happy lawyers out there. What I'm telling, you just said no. I don't know any. Right, well then run. Mm -hmm. Get the fuck out now. Don't, don't wait 10 years from now. Yeah. You have the answer, you know the answer. And I'm, I'm grateful you're asking this question right now because here's the thing. You're got 10 years from now, you're gonna wish you would have asked the question, you're gonna say, I wasted that time. Remember the, the, the young gal earlier, she was 20, and I told her everything that you do each year compounds, right? Yeah. The bad decisions compound too. The clutter compounds. And I don't mean this, just the physical clutter. That's, the physical clutter is simply a physical manifestation of what's going on inside us. So when we start feeling that discontent, we feel the fear, we feel the overwhelm, we feel the stress, the anxiety, the worry. That's when this other stuff starts showing up. But if we don't have it going on in here, we stop worrying about impressing other people. And that's the first question you ask me, how do I impress my boss? You stop worrying about impressing other people. That's our problem. We're spending money that we don't have to buy things that we don't need to impress people we don't like. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I, I totally agree with Josh. Um, <laughs> what, I'll, what I'll say though is, okay, so let's say that maybe this is different than the last lawyer position that you had. Maybe it is, okay? Mm -hmm. It probably isn't, to Josh's <laughs> point, but let's pretend that it might be. Um, you get in there on Tuesday, and you get a nice workload put on you. Um, you can start very quickly adding value and showing that you, you are a, a good lawyer and that you are capable of doing this work. And as long as you are continuing to show that to your employer, to your boss, um, you, you will have some leverage to push back a little bit. We were talking about this in the VIP event. Any employee out there who, lawyer or not, who is adding a, a bunch of value to their company, they have leverage. And so many people feel like they don't because we're so scared to lose our jobs. But guess what? Employers are scared to lose good employees. So 
you do have a fresh start and you have the opportunity to set some expectations. And I don't mean, you don't walk in there on Tuesday and be like, here are my list of expectations, boss. Looking forward to working with you. Like, that's not how it works. But you do have things like, you know, when, they, when you answer emails, what times that you answer emails? Uh, when, what times are you answering phone calls? Um, how much work are you allowing yourself to take on? These are things that as they are coming into you, you get to respond. Now, your, your boss might push back and say, oh, well, you know what? I sent that email at 6 a.m. I was really hoping to get a, a response by that right away. Then this is where you do have to be able to say, oh, I can, to yourself, you're like, oh, I can, I, can, I can please my boss right now or I can forsake my health. And you've got to look at it that way. And um, the more times that you choose to please your boss, you're going to get to that, the health problems a lot quicker, right? Yeah. So you've got to be able to go to your boss and say, you know what, I don't answer emails before 8 a.m. And, and, and at the end of the day, I don't, my end of the day is 8, 8 p.m. And I don't answer any emails after 8 p.m. That's a really long window. Don't do that. Um, that's a short window. This is, yeah, this is just an example. You're, yeah, God, I'm going back to Josh's thing. Run, but yeah. just for this, just for because I think that you do. I think you might need to try it out. I, I mean, if you went home tonight and said you weren't going to be a lawyer, and then you can't pay your bills, like that's a bad plan, you know. Um, but but uh, you could try these little small things out. But but ultimately, I I have had a, in my. My, my students who have let me mentor them, um, a, a lot of them, not a lot of them, but some of them are lawyers and none of them were happy. In fact, when they pushed back, their bosses are just like, I'll find another lawyer if you don't do this. And um, if that's what it ends up coming to, like you, you do have to be willing to walk away because you either get to choose to walk away or eventually you're going to be forced to walk away. It's so unfortunate that it, it was... It took you having major complications and surgeries and all these medical issues to walk away because you had to because your life depended on it. Mm -hmm. um, yes, you get to create boundaries now and expectations now where hopefully you won't get there. You won't get there again. I'll be honest with you. Like I would, I would think the first thing I think of is, um, oh, you know what? That's not true. I have, I have a couple lawyer, um, I have a couple lawyer uh, students who are really happy, and they they left firms and they started their own firms. And they take on clients that they want to take. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Thank you for clapping for that because I, I, it's not. I'm not crazy. Someone else thinks it. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, maybe you can't start your own firm on Tuesday, but, but I'm certain that that you could, you could maybe, maybe look at starting your own firm and, and, and making your own hours. Are you gonna have? Are you gonna be that million dollar a year lawyer? No, not if, not if you're, if you're not willing to sacrifice your health, and you shouldn't be. No. Are you close with your parents? My dad passed away um, eight years ago, so, but just mum. Yeah. Okay. Were you close with your dad? Yes. Yeah. He's the reason why I became a lawyer. Mm. But here's what I'll say, is your parents didn't invest 18, 20 plus years of their lives into your life for you to do something you hate for the rest of your life. So when I say run, I don't mean run away from that, I mean you need to run toward something else. Yep. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much.
you know, Ryan, it, it'd really be a shame if, if, you know, she were to go down the road and 30 years from now look back and say, I wish I would have made a change. The, the, the appropriate time to pivot is when you know it's time to pivot, right? Yeah. And, and, and there, is this, there is this time where it's like, oh, that doesn't feel safe. And I, I need job security. Security is a misnomer. I remember I had job security, right? I did really well in the corporate world. And I, I left um, three years before my company got bought and they shut down all the stores that I managed. If I wouldn't have left, I would have been out of a job anyway. But I had job security, right? No, I, I didn't. I told myself I did. The only thing that is guaranteed is what I make of, of the time that I have here, right? And so I hope whatever you do, you, you, you start running in that direction that is the right direction for you. And if that means running toward being a lawyer, then yeah, run all the way in. But it doesn't sound like that's, that's the, uh, the case. Um, I do want to wrap it up tonight. I want to thank a few other people. Um, we have Hiding in the Shadows back there. He is often our tour manager, our book editor, and uh, a website editor, podcast producer, podcast editor, lint roller, and an all-around outstanding human being. Ladies and gentlemen, podcast Sean is hiding in the back. Yeah! Oh, and I want to thank one more person tonight, and that person is you. You guys are yeah, pretty you. awesome. Yeah. Well, no, seriously, you, you, you gave up your time, and you gave up your attention tonight, and those are the two most precious resources. Like, yeah, you gave some money to be here, but that thing's renewable. The thing that isn't renewable is the time you spent here tonight, and we're grateful you decided to spend that with us. We'll never take it for granted. And if you leave here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for being here, y'all. Thank you so much, Melbourne. Thank you so much. The Minimalists. <laughs>